Hey, 80s Nation. Today's show features a special Facebook chat with John Parr, who is just one of many artists set to join us for the 2021 voyage of The 80s Cruise. Who else is coming, you ask? Okay, let me take a deep breath. Put on your mask first. Who am I now, the Phantom of the Opera? Nice 80s reference, but fine, I'll do it. Here we go. The Human League, 38 Special, Belinda Carlisle, Berlin, Morris Day in the Time, ABC, John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band, Modern English, Jack Russell's Great White, Dire Straits Legacy, A Flock of Seagulls, The Alarm, Sugar Hill Gang, and Johnny Hates Jazz. MTV Original, VJ's Nina Blackwood, Mark Goodman, and Alan Hunter return along with us, your host from Stuck in the 80s, who will host trivia, conduct live podcasts, and generally make questionable food choices throughout the week. One breath. That's amazing. I really am impressed. Uh, if you've never been on the 80s cruise, we have a special promo code for you. Uh, listen carefully, folks. Uh, this only works for first-time cruisers only. Get $200 cabin credit if you use the promo code STUCK when booking. You must use the promo code at the time you book, and you must be a first-time guest on the cruise. Find out more at www.the80scruise.com. Now on with the show. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the pop culture. I want my MTV. I want my MTV. The lingo. 30 inches of thigh slapping, blood pumping, nuclear brain damage. And the love. Casey, could you please play Waiting for a Girl Like You? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your old pal Spearsy. And Brad in LA. And today we talk to singer songwriter John Parr. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Podcast Network. You can find our podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and the CLNS Media mobile app. Hey, 80s Nation. So the 80s Cruise gave me the chance last week to host a Facebook chat with John Parr, who will be on the 2021 Voyage of the Cruise. And yes, it was probably at an inconvenient time for some of you to watch, which was about 5 p.m. Eastern, because John, of course, lives in England. So he was already up pretty late for his neck of the woods. Yeah. But it was a great chat. We talked about his hometown. We talked about how his career got started, his work on 80s soundtracks, you name it. He even played three songs for us, which you'll hear during today's podcast. So I have to ask, Steve, did you know he was going to whip out an acoustic guitar and start playing songs to you? Like, you know, say anything moment there? <laughs> yes and no. Um, they said he would have a guitar handy in case I wanted to try to talk him into playing a song. Hey. Now, he didn't tell me ahead of time, here's the songs I want to play or anything like that. Okay. And getting him to play the Surprise Monkeys song, which is the first one you'll hear. <laughs> 
that I I didn't know if I was gonna be able to talk him into that, but he did it. So no, it was, it was a nice treat. I think it's the I'm sure it's the first time in Stuckey's podcast history that we've had somebody do something like that. Yeah, that was it was amazing. You guys are just gonna love that. He was such a uh, he was just pretty much up for everything. It seemed like maybe because he was tired, but doesn't matter. He was a lot of fun. We'll get we'll talk a little bit more about the interview in a second, but first Brad has to take care of business. Before we get started with the fun, it's time to quickly introduce a new sponsor. It's Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Did you know a healthy diet can help boost a healthy immune system? There's a lot of information going around right now on how to keep yourself healthy and virus-free. Awaken 180 Weight Loss wants you to know that along with their other important preventative measures, eating healthy can help strengthen your immune system too. If your body is preoccupied cleaning up from unhealthy foods... <coughs> Cheetos, <coughs> then it isn't able to invest energy in fighting off new diseases. And you may be more likely to get sick and stay sick longer. With Awaken 180 Weight Loss, you can become your healthiest self while still being socially responsible. Instead of gaining weight while stuck at home, why not lose weight with Awaken 180 Weight Loss? You'll receive weekly one-on-one virtual coaching, the tools, and foods, all from the comfort of your own home. Make the most of your time at home and call the solution for weight loss, Awaken 180 Weight Loss, online at awaken180weightloss.com. And we're back. So let me tell you a little bit more about the interview before we get started. Yeah. So this was a Facebook chat that was live. So during the course of this interview, you're going to hear me do what they call reset. And I will remind people who are just tuning in what they're watching and how that they how they can ask John questions. The the audio from John might sound a little distant because he's not he's not on mic. He's he's a couple of feet away from his computer so he can play guitar. And we obviously we talk about a lot of things and we will you'll hear me ask questions that people who are watching the chat are asking me to ask him. So it's it's a little different than the usual interview that we normally do on Stuck in the 80s. But it's so good that you know, Steve and I talked about, do we edit it down a little bit? I'm like, I, you know what? Let it roll. Just let it roll. Yeah. And so we shall. So enjoy our conversation with John Parr. John, how are you doing? Where are, you, where are we talking to you from tonight? Uh, I'm great. Nice to talk to you and everybody out there, Steve. Yeah, I'm in uh, I'm in Yorkshire, England. Now, where where is that in relation to London for for those of us who don't know England so well? Uh, we're about we're 200 miles north of England, uh, of London, you. 200 <laughs> miles north, and just a bit to the a little bit to the right. Excellent, excellent. I, I have to ask I'm on because... a parallel with Manchester. On a oh. parallel with Manchester. I have to ask because I'm sure everyone's curious. How are you? Are you in full quarantine mode there, as like we are here in the United States? Absolute full lockdown. We're only allowed to go out and uh, do vital things, shopping, or go to the doctors, or whatever. But where I am, it's uh, as tragic as it is outside. I, I live in the middle of nowhere, so uh, my life is quite beautiful and quiet and. I'm with my family, so that part of it's great. It's just tragic outside for everybody. I agree. I read an interview with Cindy Lauper today who confessed that she's spending a lot of time dusting her apartment with a Swiffer. Uh, I'm, I'm curious if you have any similar odd habits that you're using to pass the time. 
I spoke to Cindy last week and she told me she'd, uh, she doesn't let her cleaner in. And so she's completely freaked out. Um, any odd things. We've got dogs here. So, you know, they mess the place up pretty much anyway. But um, I don't know. It's a big place. So, you know, it takes a while for the dust to settle. What, what kind of dogs do you have? We've got a German Shepherd and a little tiny dog called a Jug. And a Jug is a cross between a Pug and a Jack Russell. So it's a Jug. I've never heard of that. That sounds amazing. And it's ugly. It's so ugly, it's cute. <laughs> so is it, with, with all this time off, have you, have you ta- had any time to work on any new music? Uh, no, no. I've been mainly doing uh, a lot of fundraisers and uh, a few radio shows and things, just kind of keeping me, you know, match fit, really. Um, but I have music to do. I just, it's, it's, just tough when the house is full. I, I think I'm missing something. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I, w- I want to talk about the cruise for a few minutes. You'll be with us for the 2021 voyage of the eighties cruise. That's uh, going to be fantastic. How, how did you find out about the cruise? Well, I've read about them before. I know uh, Roger Daltrey did one, uh, I think two years ago and he said it was fantastic. Um, and, and they seem to be on the up and up and, um, what a, I mean, what a great thing for, you know, for the, for the folks and for the acts as well. You know, it's, uh, we get chance to kind of be normal and be around people. And I guess, I guess they get to be around people that have made the soundtrack of their lives and a lot of the music. That's exactly how it is. You, you should have been there to hear the wild burst of applause on the 2020 cruise a few months ago when they announced that you would be on the 2021 trip. They, they played a piece of Naughty Naughty and the passengers exploded. Wow. Wow. It's funny, you know, in England, that song's not so well known, but I know in America, it kind of, it kind of broke me. So that's, that's music to my ears. Oh yeah. No, you're They're going to, they're going to love you for it. It's, it's, it's odd. A lot of British performers will be on the cruise this year, including yourself, the human league, ABC, dire straits, legacy, the alarm and Johnny hates jazz. I'm I'm curious, is there a sense of community among UK artists, especially when you find yourself uh, playing music abroad? Well, it's strange because half those actually mentioned are from maybe 20 miles from me. You oh, know, wow. Human League, ABC. Uh, so we kind of bump into each other if we're doing benefits, particularly in Sheffield. Um, you know, they've really got, I mean, Def Leppard from Sheffield as well. So we often do benefits and we kind of meet up then. Uh, I've not really bumped into film much, but um, our paths have kind of zigzagged with Giorgio Moroder and Harold Faltermeyer and people like that. But yeah, I mean, the 80s thing is, well, it's it was kind of the, I think the 80s was like the new 60s. It was such a anything's possible time. Uh, so yeah, a lot of camaraderie. Have you, have you been on a cruise before? Never. Okay. The nearest, the nearest thing I've done has been the, the ferry to Guernsey, which was six hours. But no. So, and that was, a, that was a, that kind of boat, you know, um, but yeah, everybody keeps saying even for pleasure to do it, but no, I've never got around to it. You'll have a good time. It's, it's really a, it's really a time trip back into the eighties. Oh yeah, I mean in that part of the world. I mean going going from Miami uh, down there. I've done a few shows, kind of in the Caribbean, and uh, I just love it down there. You've done. I know you've done other '80s festivals before. 
to to you, how are the crowds different at those than say like a regular tour or a gig? They're very different in America. I mean, in England, it's um, wild. I mean, they get dressed up in the eighties gear, and uh, you don't know which is the act and which is the crowd. You know, the, uh, in America, I, I found it to be more a bit more reverent. Not that it's not in the UK, but but England is just a party weekend. I'm, I'm, I'm reading comments now from people who are watching the our chat. Uh, uh, Jenny Warren says, this is your first cruise, John. You're really going to have fun. And Charlene Makira says, you're going to need to get your sea legs. Yeah. Well, my dad, my dad was a sailor. He was a boy seaman. He was in the, in the Royal Navy for seven years. Um, when I lived out in the Channel Islands, we used to be on a boat a lot then. And, um, I'm not great. I mean, once it gets a bit choppy. So, I mean, I guess those big boats will be fine. Those big, the big boats are fine. I, I, I haven't been yeah. seasick. I've been on every 80s cruise and I've yet been seasick. So, and I don't take Brilliant. any medicine. So, you'll, you'll be fine. So, so I'm curious if, if a cruise, if a cruise ship is not the oddest venue you've ever performed at, I'm wondering if you would tell us what some of the more unusual gigs you've had over the decades have been. Oh, boy. Um, well, in 2011, 2012, I was over in America doing a tour to raise awareness and money for the returning military. So played a lot of uh, strange places, tiny, tiny wards in hospitals, little tiny community centers, and then sometimes great big arenas with just kind of me and the acoustic guitar and there'd be 12,000 people. Um, and then the next night you would be down to, you know, a few patients and a couple of nurses and doing the same, the same gig. Um, I play anywhere. I mean, I've been doing this since I was 12 years old. I just think I played everywhere and anywhere, man. That's fantastic. Um, I know we have uh, veterans, military veterans who are watching today, and they, they asked me to tell you ahead of time that they appreciate all the work that you've done supporting them and with with your charitable concerts. Well, that that's fantastic. I mean, it, probably the greatest uh, moments in my life, in my career, was uh, was doing those shows uh, for the USO and for uh, USA Cares military families. Um, it's just um, a course celeb with me. It's just something I'm doing now. I'm working with Healthy Heroes over here, and we're just about to make a film about two wounded warriors. Um, so, yeah, it's something I'm very active in and very passionate about. Uh, if you're just tuning in, we are talking to John Parr about the 80s cruise and his long career in music. If you have questions you want to submit to John, go ahead and type them in the chat window and then they'll go to our moderator who will feed me the questions and I'll ask them along as we go. John, I wonder if I could take you back. A lot of people are asking this question. I would like to take you back to the beginning. I read that you were born in Worksop, England. Am I am I pronouncing that right? Well pronounced. Well pronounced. <laughs> yeah, Worksop. Yeah. What's up, they say in, uh, in Yorkshire. Yeah, I was born in... Uh, it's a little mining town. Uh, we were we were kind of very down at heel, really. We uh, I was born uh, in my grandma's house. My mum and dad and me lived there. My my uh, mother's brother, his wife and child lived there, and it was two up and two down with my grandma. So uh, that was the beginning of uh, of life for the uh, for the young Parr family. Yeah, and then, yeah, and then um, we moved. Uh, to the other side of town, which was a new build. And uh, 
that's when I started getting into music a little bit. I was still young, probably seven or eight, but that's when I started getting into music. I, I've read this, and, and tell me if I'm wrong. I've read that Workshop is located on the edge of Sherwood Forest, and I think a lot of U.S. fans would be surprised to know there actually is a Sherwood Forest. I always thought it was a fictional place where Robin Hood lived. That's how I, it's absolutely true. I mean, Workshop is probably three miles from the edge of, from the major oak. There's a, there's a tree called the major oak, which is big enough probably to get four of you in there, Steve. You could get four guys like you in there. It's that big, it's hollowed out. And uh, it's an ancient tree that they said used to be Robin Hood's hiding place. Uh, when I came to America, nobody'd heard of, of Worksop. So everybody, uh, I was announcers all the way from Sherwood Forest, England. Yeah, so <laughs> it, it's real. It's real. People are asking, I'm seeing comments on here about uh, the cruise and saying, asking if I go on the cruise. Yeah, I go on the cruise as well. I'm there to host trivia. In fact, that's one of the things I should tell you about. One of the things that when you're on this cruise is, um, aside from your shows that you do, you, there are usually other events that you'll be along with like a Q and a or a meet and greet. And sometimes you participate in the trivia stuff. And um, sometimes there's sing-alongs that just kind of pop up in the middle of the hallway. So if you've never been for, for those of who are watching, who've never been on eighties cruise, I it's, it's nearly impossible to explain how 24 uh, seven the action is. Uh, as I said, you know, if you're, if you have questions, go ahead and pop them in there. I'm, I'm reading them as you put them in there. And John's talking now about his early days in England. I heard that when you were 12, you formed a band called The Silence. Yeah, it was a school band. And uh, we were uh, just drums, drums and a couple of guitars. And um, I was always getting told off at school by the teachers saying, you're never going to get anywhere, John. You're always looking out the window, dreaming. And I was just thinking about the gigs with my band. And uh, when, when I was 15, we played the school dance and uh, with the silence and the teachers all came to me and said, forget everything we ever said to you. That's what you should be doing, John. (laughs) Do you, do you still remember any of the songs that the silence sang? Um, God, boy, oh boy. I mean, what we, we did covers. We used to do the monkeys and, you know, the songs of the day, you know, so whatever was in the charts, this would be mid sixties. So all those, all those songs from the sixties, we'd be, we'd be doing what was one of your favorites to cover from the from that era oh boy i think um i wish the last train to clarksville i remember that from the monkeys that monkey show was great remember it was just so much so much fun i mean we were young kids you know we'd watch the monkeys on a saturday night and then the truck would pull up and we'd jump in and go do our our little show and we'd think we were the monkeys you know it was it was great do you do you still remember how to play it no, I don't think so. <laughs> Do I think? Uh, uh, <laughs> take the last train to Foxville. I'll meet you at the station. We'll be by there at 6.30. Because I've made my reservations. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. And I don't think I'll be ever coming home. <laughs> Now that's been back on that for 35 years. <laughs> oh my god. If nothing, if nothing else happens during our chat, I got to hear you sing Last Train to Clarksville. Yeah. That's gonna well, they be they did one of my songs. They did uh years later, they did uh the song of Michael Do It Again. Yeah. You should you should do it on the cruise. You know, 
the the monkeys were in syndication when the eighties generation was growing up. So we, we used to come home from every, every day at school and turn on the TV at three o'clock in the afternoon. And the monkeys would be, you know, the reruns would be playing nonstop. So we, uh, we they were so great. Yeah. There was such, such, such fun. It was just fun, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever get to and meet good, him? And good music, good pop music. Yeah. I, I interviewed Mickey Dolans once. He was such a nice guy. So. I heard he, how Mickey got his job. Uh, how did he get it? Well, when they were auditioning for the monkeys, uh, they'd seen, there were four guys, you know, sitting on the desk. They'd been there, seen a hundred people. And then, and they had coffee cups all over their desk. And Mickey Dolenz just walked in, pick a, picked a cop up and went, check me. <laughs> oh, man, we'll never top that. So back to the start of your career, I, I read somewhere that you, one of the first things you kind of got your break with was writing songs for Meatloaf. How, how did that come about? Um, I played, I've been playing live for about 20 years and the truck blew up uh, along with the band. and. Um, didn't know what to do. I was married. My wife said, look, I'm going to pay the bills. You write songs. So I started writing songs and sending cassettes off in those days. And uh, a little publishing company in London uh, heard the stuff, signed me up. It was a really bad deal. I got 500 pounds. The lawyer was 400 and my train ticket was 50. So I got 50 quid for my publishing deal. But within a year, they sent my stuff out and I'd got Diana Ross interested, I think, Rod Stewart and Meatloaf. And out of the three, Meatloaf was the one that really hooked. And instantly uh, I was over in America living with him, working on the Bad Attitude album, and it was the beginning of things. So it was about that time, too, that Naughty Naughty came to be, right? Yeah, I mean, um, I was working with Meatloaf on, uh, on Bad Attitude, and my manager was uh, talking to Ahmed Erdogan at Atlantic Records. And uh, we got a deal. And I always remember uh, um, the great Ahmed Erdogan saying to me, John, sex sells, write a song about it. <laughs> and so I wrote Naughty Naughty and bang, that was the record that opened the doors completely. America welcomed me with open arms and I'm always eternally grateful for that. They took me in just like one of their own. It was great. Did- did you did you know that kind of like the moment that you wrote it that it it had the right hook? Did you did you have you felt like it had that that hit appeal to it? It was a really strange one because we had all the songs uh, written for the record, and we were down in actually down in Florida making the record at Criteria in Miami, and um, Naughty Naughty didn't exist at that point. It was just a riff, so we used to just warm up every day on the riff and then play one of the record tunes. And then in the middle of it, I had that conversation with Ahmed. And so I thought, well, I should put some words to it. And literally, it was the last song on the record. Uh, but I did, uh, I fought tooth and nail for that to be the lead single. Uh, Ahmed wanted it to be a song called Magical, which I'd written with Meatloaf. But I knew Naughty Naughty had the legs to kind of uh, break through. And fortunately, it did. The The video for it was a big hit on MTV back in the early days of the network. Did you... Did you immediately see the appeal to music videos and MTV? And and also, I'd love to hear the story behind the video. Well, back to workshop, I dreamed of movies and being in movies from the little kids sit, sitting on the seventh row at the Regal Cinema at workshop, seven or eight years old, looking at those adventure movies and thinking, man, I'd love to, I dream of it. 
and then uh, got the chance to get into the film industry. And of course, with the videos, I, I insisted straight away that we made all the videos on, on movie films. So they're all shot 40, uh, 35 mil on Panavision. So they were very expensive. Um, and uh, we, made that, we made that video in, uh, in San Francisco. And uh, I love cars. So I got to, uh, the, I think it was the was it 67 or 65 Mustang and the Rolls-Royce Corniche. And of course the ladies and uh, in the car was, it was pretty, uh, it's a pretty fun time. And uh, I always remember the uh, coming around the corner in that, at the beginning of that Naughty Naughty video, if you look at it closely, you'll see the hubcap fly off the, off the Mustang. It's a complete accident. They tell me to drive it slow and I can't do anything slow. <laughs> so I came around the corner full tilt and, and the hubcap flew off and they caught it on film. So it yeah. cool. it's, um, if you've ever watched Weird Al Yankovic host MTV, he always plays Naughty Naughty and he always makes a comment right before the hubcap falls off. He always Does says, I'm, does he? It, exactly. I swear to God. Wow. How so, great. We got a comment wow. here. There's a comment here from Joyce who says, hello from Wakefield, West Yorkshire. We used to follow John with the band Bittersweet all over your, uh, South Yorkshire clubland. If you weren't in the club by 7 p.m., you weren't getting in because John had a massive following. Well, Bittersweet had a massive following. I was the guitar player. Um, <laughs> But we were, yeah, I mean, it was, it was almost like when my career took off 10 years later, what I experienced in the clubs 10 years before was the same. We literally were like the hottest thing for 100 miles around. And we played every night and we were just, you know, sold out and queuing down the road. And it was a terrific band. As I say, I was just a guitar player then. But um, those days in the in the clubland of England, that's where I cut my teeth and, and learned my craft. And, um, you know, I, I think uh, people still talk about those days. And that's why so I'm sure that she, what was that lady's name? Joyce. Joyce. From, from Wakefield. Joyce Bar Baroque. Baroque. Joyce. Joyce. Well, yeah, Joyce. I mean, happy days. You know, I mean, I'm still, I'm still plugging away. I used to practice four hours a day for those shows and I've been, two hours today practicing so nothing changes <laughs> oh she just she just sent a bunch of emoticons she's so happy you said her name she's probably not so happy i mispronounced it though you talk about um the time you spent in the old days preparing and, and then the success of naughty naughty i'm kind of curious what was that first big tour like when you were supporting you know your your first album uh first tour was uh with toto and i went out with toto um uh, for anybody who's out there got a dream or think life's pretty hopeless, I can tell you two years before that, my wife bought me Toto 4. And I remember listening to Africa and uh, all, all those great songs and crying. I literally cried. I thought, I'm never, ever going to be able to compete with that. And two years later, I was on the road with them. They became friends of mine. They even played on my records. So the dreams can come true, you know, that was, it was a dream when we played, uh, I think I did three months with Toto. I used to travel with uh, Steve Picaro and, uh, and Steve Lukather, Jeff Picaro and, uh, and Steve Lukather. Uh, we were big pals and that was, uh, it was a dream come true. It was the stuff of dreams. If you're, if you're just joining us, we're talking with John Parr, who's going to be on the 2021 voyage of the eighties cruise. 
which is in March. Um, we've talked about some of his early career. We've talked we're, right now. We're talking about some of his first hits in the 80s. If you have questions uh, that you want to submit, go ahead and type them in. And uh, we're going to we'll try to get to him as we go along here. In fact, somebody asked here, Mike Palmer wants to know whatever happened to the Mustang from the Naughty Naughty video. <laughs> huh. They all the cars they ever lent me, they, they always had babysitters or bodyguards, you know, and that was no exception. I've got no idea it was such a hot car. I mean, that was the the dream car, wasn't it? You know, and those, the, you know, ragtop uh, Mustang, you know, of that era. I mean, yeah. God knows what they're worth now. But yeah, <laughs> all the cars. You know, strangely, the only car that never had a babysitter, which I couldn't believe, was the Ferrari. I had a Ferrari in uh, uh, Blame It on the Radio. And I did crazy stuff in that, and nobody cared. And it was the most expensive car I'd ever used, probably a, probably a million pounds now, that car. <laughs> so someone's asking, and it was, it was Chris Salmon is asking, and it was going to be my next question anyway. So it was about this time that you probably met David Foster. Yeah. And... Yeah he wanted you to write a song for a movie that some of us might vaguely know <laughs> called St. Elmo's fire. I'd, I'd love to hear the story behind uh, your, that, that meeting with David. Well, David tells this story, so I can't get sued for it because David told me, he told me that he loved naughty naughty and he was working with Paul McCartney. And uh, let's just say they were using naughty naughty as a template for another song they were writing. <laughs> And David's wife came in from shopping and said, while they were doing this thing, and she said, there's a guy on the radio and he's ripped your song off. And of course, that was me on the radio. We know it was like in reverse. It was them copying Naughty Naughty. So that's my claim to fame with uh, David and Paul. But Naughty Naughty opened the door to David. And uh, he, he told me that story and said, look, I'm, I'm doing this movie. I'm doing the score for it, and I'm doing 10 original songs. Will you come over and write a song with it, for it with me? And I went over there, and um, he gave me this song. He said, look, man, I'm too tired. Will you sing this? And it wasn't the greatest song. And I went, I'm sure we could do better, David. And he went, no, no, I'm exhausted. Please do this. I went, let's just have half an hour. So we went in the booth for half an hour, and we wrote a song. And I went, wow, this is great. And David said, no, we can do better. We wrote another one, 10 minutes. He said, we can do better. And the third one was sent almost fine. Wow. In about an hour. You know. I, th I think a lot of people know, uh, some people anyway, know the story about how you found inspiration for the song in the form of the Canadian wheelchair athlete named Rick Hansen. But if you don't mind, for, the, for those who don't know the yeah. story, I, I don't, I'd love to hear you tell it again. Well, we've written the music and all the arrangement really quickly, but I just couldn't get a handle on what the subject was. As you know, I'm from Worksop, a mining town. I left school at 15. So trying to identify with rich kids in, you know, collegiate schools in, and, you know, worried about where their next hundred grand's coming from, it just didn't really register with me. Uh, and David said, well, look, this has nothing to do with the movie, but maybe it'll inspire you. And he showed me a little video of uh, this guy in a wheelchair, Rick Hansen, just setting out from Vancouver on what was called the Man in Motion Tour. And uh, it's just a little local news video. And when that van pulled out of the, uh, of the shopping mall, there were just four people waving it off. And it said, Rick Hansen, Man in Motion World Tour. And 
the hairs on the back of my neck stood up and I, I just thought, I've got, I've got to write this song, but I'm going to write it about, you know, what's going to happen. So St. Elmo's Fire was a prediction, really, of what did happen, because two years, two months and two days after Rick Hansen set out from Vancouver, he wheeled back into Vancouver, million people lying in the streets, everybody singing St. Elmo's, and he raised 18 million for spinal research. So it, the power of music and the inspiration of a of a man who wouldn't sit down and take no. The the one question I'm seeing over and over again as you're telling your story is, um, did you get a chance to talk to Rick and what what did he say about the song? Uh, I see. I was talking to Rick last week. We became lifelong friends. The thing that initially inspired me about Rick was when I saw that video in 1985. He talked about. You break your arm, you break your leg, you're in a cast for six weeks, but you break your back and you're in a chair for the rest of your life. And I'm not, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to get in this chair. And I really got in that chair with him in my head. And, and uh, so every time I play that song and, and, and perform that song, I always tell Rick's story. And uh, every five or 10 years, David and I do the Rick Hansen benefit. He's built a foundation now. Uh, I-Cord is the biggest research facility in the world for spinal research. And the foundation's raised uh, $300 million now for spinal research. Um, the greatest thing Rick ever said to me was uh, uh, he sent me a telegram when he was on the road in Man in Motion. And uh, he never used to wheel with the, with the Walkman playing, with the, with the music playing. He'd just wheel so he could hear everything. And he'd had enough one day and uh, he went in the truck and he said, that's it, I can't do any more. And he said to me, he said, whenever I feel I can't uh, turn another wheel, I play the song and I can go out and do another 20 miles. Wow, well, got chills. You can't better it. That's bigger than hit records. That was the greatest accolade of my life. It obviously became a huge hit, topping the charts here in the U.S. for two weeks. How did the song's success change your life? Um. Well, it opened the door to Hollywood. As I said, I'd had the dream of working in movies. And suddenly uh, I did 10 movies, 10 Hollywood movies in two years. Some big ones did Arnold Schwarzenegger movie and uh, Three Men and a Baby, loads of things. And uh, unfortunately, my record company didn't like me doing it. So I would have a song in one of the biggest movies in the world, but it would never be released as a single because Atlantic wanted me to be a rock and roller. And... Uh, I, I just saw myself a bit wider than that. And uh, that's really why my kind of recording career, uh, career stalled a little bit. But my movie career went great. Some people call Kenny Loggins, who was on last year's 80s cruise, the king of the 80s soundtracks. But I think you give him a pretty good run for the money on that title. Uh, Ten songs on soundtrack. Yeah, me and Kenny used to be Mr. Soundtrack. That was the two of us. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> When you're when you're writing a song for a soundtrack for a movie versus a regular album, how how is the process different? Do you get to see the storyline, read the storyline? Do you get to see clips from the movie? I'm just really curious about that. Yeah, um, generally I get to see a rough cut of the film. With Saint Elmo's Fire, I saw nothing, and that was the blessing. So it enabled me. I just knew the basic outline with 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 Saint Elmo. So. When I when I wrote the lyrics, all I need is these pair of wheels for once in his life, a man has his time. They think I'm talking about Demi Moore's Jeep or Emilio Estevez getting the girl, when really I'm talking about turning the wheels of the wheelchair and when Rick breaks through the tape. 
So that was ambiguous. But generally, like with The Running Man, the Schwarzenegger movie, they took me to the preview theatre. I watched the movie and I heard the song play in my head straight away. And uh, I went over to Germany and, and worked on it with Harold Faltermeyer. But I'd already heard the song in my head. And often if it's a good movie or it's an inspiring person directing it, uh, straight away I'm fired up. And I, I want to I be able to take their, their, uh, their story and... and put another horse on the team, you know, and, and, and be pulling it even further. That's what I try and do with, uh, and I think that's why I got so many gigs with the soundtracks because I, I was, I had a lot of empathy. The, um, I, as soon as I said restless heart, or as soon as you said restless heart and running man, everyone started lining up hoping that you'll at least play at least part of it for us. We've got oh, you boy. in the Restless heart. <clears throat> Let's have a go. This is no game. Standing in the dark, I swear I heard you calling my name. And I know things have changed. No pain, no gain Something in your eyes just told me that this nightmare would end I found a friend Shattered through the highest steeple Laid it out to all the people Hey! Play it on the loudest speaker Burning like the highest fever. You hit the right spot. No more lonely nights. With a restless heart, roll the dice. Make a brand new start. When the world you knew got shattered, you and me were all that mattered. Ain't no way. Gonna stop this restless heart running away with you. Human again. I take you in my arms and hold you till the fear is all gone. And now the race is won. Shouted from the highest steeple. Made it out to all the people. Hey! Streaming on the loudest speaker. Burning like the highest fever. You hit the right spot. No more lonely nights. With a restless heart. Roll the dice. Make a brand new start. When the world you knew got shattered You and me were all that mattered Ain't no way I'm gonna stop this restless heart Running away with you Oh, I wish you could read all the comments we're getting here. I mean, people are just lighting up. People saying, <laughs> I can't wait. 
Can't wait for 2021. Can't uh, now. I'm looking forward to seeing him more than ever. Um, someone's asking you to play. That was the yeah. first time I ever played that acoustic. Yeah, I got chills. I, I, just, I just I don't know. I'm looking around. And just, wow. like was, I wish there was a crowd around me. I mean, but we're all watching online, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! If you're if you're just tuning in, you just missed the greatest three minutes of, of my life. But uh, we're talking to John Parr, who's going to be on the 2021 80s cruise. Uh, he's we've talked about MTV. We've talked about his movie soundtracks. Uh, I, I still have some more questions about movie soundtracks. Uh, again, if you want to submit questions, go ahead and just you know type them in there at the bottom, and I'm seeing them pop up, and our moderator's taking a look too. And um, <coughs> wow, something else. There, yeah, there's there's people love the soundtrack ones. I mean, I I know you wrote the theme to. Three Men and a Baby, which appears in the movie, but maybe not on the soundtrack, and was just finally released as a single last year. Yeah, it was. Um, uh, David Foster called me up, and uh, strange story, he said to me, "Are you not interested in doing uh, soundtracks anymore?" And I went, "Yeah, why?" He said, "Because Carol Bear Sagas just rang Atlantic in uh, in doing them. This was again the record company not wanting me to do." movies and uh i went man I'd, I'd love to do it and to work with carol bear sager and as it happened hamlish as well um so uh david and i met up we went down to nashville and we wrote uh the minute i saw you with carol had already written the lyrics and um i don't know if many people know that uh, leonard nimoy was the director of that movie so leonard came down i mean i'd grown up watching star trek so it was really bizarre seeing uh Saying uh, it's really funny, funny story with uh, Marvin Hamlish. Was, you know, Marvin Hamlish was just big, larger than life. Guy. Let me ask you something. Let me ask you. I've got a question for you. Let me ask you something. And he would be like this twenty four seven. And and Leonard Nimoy was very, very laid back. And he kept going, uh, Leonard, Leonard, let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. And he went, Marvin, I have no more answers for you. <laughs> So then, so you have you have three men and a baby. You've got you've got Santa's fire, restless heart, um, American anthem is is probably one of your uh, two hearts. It's probably a song that's it's one of those few movies where the movie soundtrack is probably better than the movie. That film was directed by Albert Magnoli, who just come off of Purple Rain with Prince and done that great job. Um, Alan Silvestri did the score, legendary composer. Um, Albert rang me up and he said, look, John, I I want you to write this epic, big anthem song, but I don't want any of that, we're going to make it crap in it. And, you know, I'm kind of so positive and I'm thinking, well, how can you be triumphant? You know, kids are trying to, this movie's about these two kids falling in love and trying to get a gold medal. So that's why the song goes, uh, two hearts beat as one together. It may not be forever, but it's for now. And uh, so that was the, that was the thinking. It was my dad's favorite song. And uh, yeah, it, uh, it's one of, it is one of my better songs. And I, as you say, you know, probably wasn't the greatest movie, but um, it was such a challenge trying to, uh, trying to come up with something so triumphant. But it was, well, again, it's become very positive, I think, about being in the now being mindful but of course then it wasn't it was the 80s it was all about we've got to make it we want it you know and everything's good but uh yeah it was uh happy days and that was a another fun another fun video 
Yeah. In fact, I, I meant to ask you earlier because there's a video for uh, San Amos Fire where at the very end you're you are singing to the cast, and I'm I'm just kind of curious at that point in your did did you know who did they know who you were? Did you know who they were? And did, what did you think of the movie ultimately? I think for sure they didn't know who I was, <laughs> and for sure then they didn't want to be there. You look at their faces, and it's like my script said uh, John walks down the stairs and. Uh, Demi Moore's at the record player looking sad and John walks over and cheers her up. Well, I mean, I'm lip syncing. So I'm doing all this. I mean, I can, think, I can think of a few ways to cheer Demi Moore up, but that wouldn't be one of them. We became pals after that. Rob, I've, I've, uh, I spoke to Rob last week. He's been over in England actually doing a, a TV show uh, about 40 miles from me. Uh, we did a telethon last week and we were talking. Uh, we've we've kept in touch just as David and I have. And, you know, uh, we played on stage. In fact, Rob and I have done a couple of shows together where uh, we've, we've done uh, duets and stuff. I think Demi did one as well. You can't get them off stage once they do it. <laughs> They're just hogging it. <laughs> you've, you, you've toured with so many iconic acts over the, de- over the decades. You, uh, Tina Turner, Hart, Brian Adams. Uh, I'm curious, which of the artists that you've toured with have you formed some of the strongest bonds and friendships with? Um, I, I used to bump into Brian a lot in the early days. Uh, you know, we were, you know, new kids on the block. He was from Vancouver. And and uh, I just see him in airports, you know, he'd have the hoodie up and stuff, no entourage and whatever. So uh, I've done a few shows with Brian and and uh, we did something in my hometown not so long back. Uh Tina was the big influence on me. Uh, did the private dancer tour with Tina. I did 40 shows and I used to do my show. I'd wait for the lights to go down and then I'd sneak out and I'd watch Tina. So I saw all 40 shows and that was like learning at the knee of the master. That is like one of the top five. Uh, I've seen her in all weathers, in all states to do what she does. And uh, she never fails. She's just the greatest. The uh, I'm reading some of the questions that people are submitting uh, for me to read. Uh, Tim Kelly wants to know, how did you come up with the clever lyrics for Love Grammar? Oh, boy. Thank you for that, because that song got me the deal. Love Grammar, I think I wrote it in 82, and uh, my manager jumped on Armid Erdogan's desk and went, doing, doing all the moves to it. Because it's a, it's a song, if you know it, sounds like this sweet ballad and then it suddenly explodes. Yeah. Um, I just, I usually write songs with a story or, or something that's got uh, a lot of truth with it. But I also like to write songs that have got wordplay. And so Love Grammar was wordplay. In English grammar, I before E except after C. Uh, I thought in a love affair, I before he except after she knows I'll always be there. So it was a play on a play on words, which I thought was quite clever. Plus, it was that mixture of, you know, that kind of uh, you just thought you were in for a, a nice ballad and it just hit you straight between the eyes about one minute in. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. It's one of my favorites. Uh, Thank, Barry- you. Thank you. Barry Cooper calls you a top guy who has followed. He says he's followed you for years, bittersweet, ponders end. And he says you, he always knew you would make it. Well, God bless you. What, what is his name again? Barry Cooper. Barry. Barry. Yeah. Uh, when I was a little boy, you know, I always used to say when I'm going to make it. 
And my mum and dad would say, you know, if you ever make it, and I would always correct them and say, no, when I make it. And I played those clubs for 20 years, and um, but just could not get a record deal. We could we could stand an audience on there. We could give them shivers, but we couldn't get a record deal. And uh, I think some of my greatest work were, was in Ponder's End and in Bittersweet. And uh, I don't like the word late. I mean, I, a lot of people say that with me, legend. I don't. I don't kind of believe all that thing, but if there's any, I think if in the true sense of the word where people still talk about things that in some ways, if you like legendary or at least noteworthy. And I, I'm almost more famous in England for my work before I made it in the clubs, because we had such a memorable time with everybody and we were a great band. It was a great time. Uh, there was something magical going on and, uh, there were lots of great bands around, so competition was strong. So you had to work. I, as I said, I used to practice so hard every day just to kind of shine. Being a bit of a show off, I wasn't singing so much then, so I had to show off with the guitar and uh, kind of steal the limelight a bit. But they were great bands, so God bless you for that. Thank you. I know, I know one of the questions we got in advance was about your famous Les Paul guitar, the Stars yeah. and Stripes. How, how did you come about acquiring the, the, the famous guitar. One second. <laughs> oh, we're going to see it. We're going to see the guitar. Oh, there it is. There it is, with a broken string. Oh. Um, so I turned, I turned professional in, when I was 19, and it was a residency with the two boys from the silence, and we went and did a residency in Guernsey in the Channel Islands, and we got 30 pounds a week each. And uh, we did four 45-minute shows at night and two 45-minute shows at lunchtime, six days a week. And uh, I never drank at all that six months. I saved all my money, and I bought this at the, end of the, uh, at the end of the season. I think it was 200 guineas from Surrey Sound. And then my dear friend Robin Skillen, uh, he did this front. He did this in 1972. It's kind of fiberglass and, and glitter, if you can see it close. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The beautiful wow. thing. And uh, so Robin's work's been with me since, you know, we were school friends. We were little boys when I was six years old. So he's been with me on all the road with the Stars and Stripes. As I say, this isn't, this isn't something I stuck on when I made it in America. This was, I dreamed of America, uh, you know, all my life. And, uh you know, all those years later, finally they let me in, and uh, <laughs> strikes. Are you, are you, oh my God, we got to see the guitar. Are, are you are you bringing it with you on the cruise? I don't know. I'm nervous of it these days. I never used to be, but the airlines that I had, I have a, a sister to that that's got the Union Jack on it, and they uh, they broke it. The, the airline, they, they it's like smashed it. Uh, it's fixed, but. It's kind of the stars and stripes, you know. I mean, it's 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 not intrinsic value. It's kind of love value, you know. So it's it's. Uh, I'm frightened of of what. I'd love to take it everywhere, but I just get frightened of the airlines. I, I'm intrigued by this question here that I'm going to ask you, and I have no idea what it means. And I, I hope it's not a trick. <laughs> okay. But Charlie Jones wants to know. He says, "Hi, John. Can you still do the plectrum trick?" I can, but not. Not on here. I mean, if I do it here, I mean, basically, it's like I can't even do because I can't move. But basically, I have to play the guitar and then flick the plectrum up my back 
and catch it and catch oh. it in my teeth and all this, but you need room. <laughs> to do it. But yeah, I still do it. Uh, if you look, I did. That's not a trick in the naughty naughty video. That's it. That's the actual thing I do. It's not. Um, it was so fast in the video they had to draw around the pick on every frame. But it's actually the guitar pick flying through the air. And so yeah, I've, I always do it. Kick it in the air and, uh, and do it. The uh, I have to ask this because I'm super curious. Um, you once you've worked with the all time great producer Mutt Lang. What what was that like? Uh, in my career, probably top three things of all time uh, as a human being he's even more of a human being than he is a producer just the greatest as you know he's, he's very reclusive uh, we work together there's only two guys ever co-produced with him one was Mick Jones and myself and I was so honored to get that uh, I learned so much uh, he's so humble so talented uh, for those people who don't know he's the he's the mastermind behind some you know behind a lot of Brian Adams stuff Def Leppard Shania Twain, uh, Back in Black, uh, ACDC, Foreign of Four. <laughs> it's like, everything, yeah. You know, yeah. Everything. And so uh, can you imagine going to work every day and sitting not only with a lovely person, but with, you know, I, I've had them on either shoulder. I, yeah, I've been blessed to have two of the greats, you know, Debbie Foster and, and Mott Lang. But, you know, there's not much between those two guys that hasn't been done, really. I'm getting a lot of questions from people who are going to be on the cruise with us and they're all asking, um, if I buy you a drink, what is your drink of choice? Oh boy. Well, I like a glass of red wine. I like it. I like a glass of St. Emilion. I like that. Um, <clears throat> if I'm in the mood, a glass of champagne, I ain't a drinker, but yeah, just if I'm in the mood, but yeah, I, I like a nice glass of wine. Yeah. So we'll have a glass of wine on that, on that cruise. Excellent. Excellent. Um, there's, there's one traditional question I love to ask at every interview. And for those who listen to my podcast, they know what's coming. I call it the podcast time machine question. And basically the premise is this, we we like to think of our podcast as a trip back to the eighties each week. But if we actually owned a time machine and I could offer you a seat on the time machine, what event would you go back in time to either re-witness or to, if you wanted to, you could actually change it. Musically, uh, I think, I was quite surprised by this. The greatest thing I ever saw musically was uh, Prince. I saw Purple Rain at the Orange Bowl in, uh, and um, I got invited back with him and it was Apollonia then. And, and, uh, but it was the full deal, the full Purple Rain show with the time and everybody, Sheila Ree, the whole thing. And it was, I looked at that show and everything I imagined to do in a show, he did, you know, in spades. It was just, he was Jimi Hendrix. He was Little Richard. He was James Brown, but he also was Prince. And uh, uh, I did a thing with Jimmy Jam last week. I don't know if you've seen it yet. They did just done a documentary on Prince. I think it aired on Tuesday in America. And Jimmy Jam said, you know, whatever you've heard about Prince, however good you think he was, he was even better, you know, and um, I have to agree, you know, you know, a lot of people think, well, he's not that rock and roll, but he really was, you know, he would play lots of little gigs. He'd do like a big stadium and then he'd go play like a little rock gig and, and just shine because he didn't need to hide behind anything was the real deal. So that would be that would be Prince really, I guess. 
you're, you're getting a lot of you're getting a lot of standing ovations from people who really love your answer. And and one person wrote, Chuck wrote, "I'm riding in that time machine with you, John. Let's go back and see Prince and Purple Rain and tour. That's fantastic." Uh, yeah. um, I, I would love to to end our to end our chat with, and everyone's asking me to ask you to do it, so I, I will plead. We would love to hear uh, Saint Elmo's Fire. Saint Elmo's Fire. Okay. <laughs> well, when you're listening to this again, uh, because it's on the acoustic, imagine the guy in the chair. He's gone across the deserts. He's gone across mountains. This is uh, for Rick Hansen and for everybody out there in Cruiseland. And uh, I'm dying for this uh, cruise. It's going to be fantastic. We'll have a ball. Let's do Saint Elmo's.
Just once in his life A man has his time And my time is now I'm coming alive I'm coming alive I can hear the music playing I can see the banners fly Dream like you're a man again Hold my head high John, thank you so much. This has been incredible. My pleasure. I've enjoyed it. That's that's was that an hour quiet flip. <laughs> I know. I could go a whole another hour. We we can't wait to see you on the cruise. I can't believe we have to wait another eleven months for it. But um, we'll be watching you on social media. And uh, for those who are watching this chat, I hope you join us on the cruise. We're going to have a great time. John Parr is going to lead us in song. Uh, but that's all we have for tonight. Thanks for everyone for watching, and thanks, John, for staying up late with us here in the United States. Thank you, Steve, and thank you, everybody out there. All aboard. See you then. And we're back. Steve, epic, epic interview. How long did the smile on your face last after that? I, I got to admit, I was um, I was giddy pretty much the rest of the night and, and most of the next day. Uh, I, I was I was just flabbergasted, for, for, for lack of a better 1920s term, <laughs> how, how well it went. What a nice guy he was. Yeah, just what a, what a nice guy, exactly. I mean, I don't know how you could come away from that interview thinking anything other than I'm really kind of excited to see him because he seems like a decent person in addition to yeah. being a great musician. Well, what's interesting, too, is it you can go on Facebook, I think, to, to the Stuck in 80s page on the 80s cruise page, and you can actually watch still the whole video. It's still available online. And I encourage you to do that because there's a lot of moments during that conversation that are more visual. When he brings out his... Stars and Stripes, you know, Les Paul guitar. That's yeah. that's a visual moment. That's a great and, moment. And, uh, you know, if you're paying close attention at the very end of the podcast, when he's playing uh, St. Elmo's Fire, you can actually see the tears rolling down my cheek. Steve gets a cinder in his eye. But other than that, it, it just kind of rolled off. Did, did you? Speaking of things rolling off, did you prompt him about that hubcap thing? I couldn't believe that came up. No, I, I did. I didn't tell him. 
he and I had about 10 minutes to chat before the interview. And all I kind of told him was, I'm going to ask you about you know, your yeah. early years, your late years. I'm going to ask you about your videos. I, I didn't say anything. He didn't say anything about it. He 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 said, oh, I have a guitar here. But when he brought up the hubcap thing and like, oh, nobody probably notices that. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Everybody notices that. Well, and we had just talked about it. I mean, that is, in the words of Repo Man, a real plate of shrimp moment. And like I said before, this is only the first Facebook chat that we've done. The 80s Cruise is probably going to ask me to do some more. So stay tuned. Because you did such a good job on that one, dude. (laughs) It was fun. killed it. It was fun. It was really fun. And so now I'm kind of like coming up my own little dream list of who I want to talk to next on Facebook chat. It 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 was far more fun than I could have possibly dreamed. Hey, it's time for us to uh, thank another sponsor. Uh, that sponsor is Bet Online. With no NBA, no NHL, no Major League Baseball, no Major League Curling, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong, Brad. Uh, again. <laughs> it's my favorite moment of the podcast each week, how much Brad is wrong. It should be new of a new Seggy. Brad uh, is wrong. Brad is wrong. The theme song will be Steve jumping and cavorting about the room. <laughs> Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on, from their online casino to poker and blackjack, as they are bringing the Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Steve is going to slur his way through this next line. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can wager on. No, that's actually, I, I did it in one take. That's amazing. Very it's exciting. a clean read, my friend. I feel, I feel excited. I feel, feel St. Elmo's fire in me. I think that's the problem. <laughs> I'll take care of that later, though. Uh, anyway, if you're inter- <laughs> anyway, if you're into entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. Um, always bet on the tiny skinny guy. That's just my... Uh, om nom nom. Yeah. I'd like a hot dog right now. Thank you very much, BetOnline. I will wait for it. Anyway, BetOnline is open 24 hours a day. And it's all online. Visit their website at betonline.ag or use your mobile device. I, th- I think we call those your cell phones or your tablets. Sure. Or, or your scooter. And join today to receive your new welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. And we're back. And if Brad, if you had a choice of who to interview coming up on the cruise, who would it be? Like if you had to do a Facebook chat with somebody. Oh, uh, let me let me glance at the list here. Let me just glance at the copious list. I think I would want to talk to um, ABC. Yep. Yeah. Martin Fry. I've talked to him Martin before. Martin Fry. I, I know I, I took that into account. I almost changed my answer because I know he's been on the show, but this isn't about you. It's about me. <laughs> um, second on the list would be uh, Trevor Horn from Dire Straits Legacy. Yeah, yeah. Actually, he should probably be first. He's, he's he, number one. Uh, he, he seems a little intimidated. I'm a little intimidated by just his legacy. Oh, yeah. That's a tough one. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. The other tough one I think would be Morris Day. Yeah, I got no interest in talking to that I, guy. I have all the interest in the world. In fact, I already have all the questions written out. Because I was supposed to. Well, I hope he shows up. Yeah, he didn't last time. But that's not his Mm -hmm. fault. I'm sure he had a very good reason. But the problem is, I know that I'm not nearly cool enough to carry a conversation for an hour with Morris Day. And as soon as he gets bored, Jerome's going to throw me in a dumpster. That is a risk. (laughs) Until that happens, we have room for 
The, the Seggies. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for a mystery movie moment. Uh, this is going to be a fun one this week, and I'll tell you why in a few minutes. <laughs> we'll play a snippet of a clip from a movie from the 80s. You know, the blah, da, blah, da, blah, blah, blue, 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 blue. <laughs> mus, mus, <laughs> mus, peas and carrots, peas and carrots. Peas and carrots. <laughs> Um, and uh, maybe you get, maybe you get a postal friendly bottle of it, or maybe not. We've been getting some mean emails lately from people who they're not mean, but they're just friendly reminders that the postal friendly bottle openers have not been sent out. Quarantine has kept me from my usual uh, office supplies. I'll just say it that way. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, I get it. Anyway, pay attention. Here we go. You have the nicest teeth. No man, she's not a horse. Tell her about her eyes. That's breaking to electric boogaloo, words that people thought would never come out of my mouth. As fate would have it, I actually watched this movie the week that we recorded this podcast. Which is why you picked it? Yep. The fiance sat me down and she's like, you've picked enough movies lately. Um, Let's pick one that I know you haven't seen from the 80s. So we picked uh, uh, breaking to electric boogaloo, which – and I asked her ahead of time, in all fairness, I haven't seen the first one. Is it going to matter? And the answer was, of course not. No through prop, plot, no through plot there, line in that. There one. is, there is. I mean, but I could sum it up in like five seconds. Oh, they used to You're be able to figure to be it friends, out. and then she moved on, but now she's back. There you go. Cool. So, I feel all caught up. Yeah. So take a deep breath and read all the winners. Okay, here we go. Winners include Dan Newcomb, who writes. I can't believe I actually get to use that for breaking two and not something else with the number two in it. Yeah. I must say, of your old and tired 80s jokes, the one I am the most tired of is the electric boogaloo tagged onto anything with a two. I'm just a little tired of it. You're saying that to me? I'm saying that to the podcast audience. Okay. I agree with Dan. I think Dan is onto something here. Yeah. And And I think I'm going to invoke... I'll invoke it later. I have something to invoke later. Okay. Well, we'll let it happen when it happens. Uh, in the meantime, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. Oh, this is disgusting. It's all over. It's it's, it's sticky, and we're going to need some kind of cleaning fluid to get it off. If you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com, and tune in soon to find out if you're a winner. Ah, <laughs> uh, the mystical refrain that is Name That 80s Tune. Brad, what happens in Name That 80s Tune? We play a snippet of an 80s song, and if you know it, you write us in, give us the answer, the correct answer, for a chance to win a postal-friendly bottle opener. Very very straightforward. Did I cover all the bases there, sir? I, I did. And, I, that, and, with, and with only the tiny, tiny, tiniest bit of like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Disdain? <laughs> yes. That's the word. That is the exact word I was looking for. Thank you very much. I'm here for you, brother. Anyway, pay attention. Here was the mystery clip from episode 550. That's The Chauffeur by Duran Duran. Way down the lane away, living for another day. The eight that swam up in the drifting haze. Swim seagull in the sky towards that hollow western eye. Here's what's funny. So literally, and I, I think I could say literally in this case, everybody who wrote in 
wrote, the answer is obviously the chauffeur Duran Duran. Be prepared because I'm sure one million people wrote in with the correct answer. And I, I can say honestly, no. Uh, fair number, but it doesn't break our record. I will say my approach to collecting answers is to search on the song name in my email. And spelling counts. This week you had to spell chauffeur correctly or I wasn't going to find it. Oh, well, that might that might make a difference. That's my There's a lot of random vowels in that word. Yeah. Stupid, yes. stupid French. Anyway, um, why don't you go ahead and read some of the winners? Okay, winners this week include Maine's Benevolent 80s Overlord, Ron Raymond Jr., John Ross from Charlotte, North Carolina, Gene from Gilroy, New Wave Yacht Rock Todd, Dr. Dim, Tony Doucette in Boston, Kevin from some town starting with a C in Canada that we always mispronounce, Donnie Gettle rhymes with, that video is hot, Kelly E. in Huntsville, Alabama, Marie in Bradenton, our dear friend, oh, I'm sorry, Marie in Bradenton, that's what I meant to say, our dear friend Carol Jansen, Bill with one L, Martin the Irish Evertonian, Dan Newcomb, Stony Stitt, Andrew in San Diego, P. Ryan, Dave in Oxford, Jeff in Central Virginia, Ann McNally, Eric in North Seattle, and Mike in Oz, who writes, I'm still out of toilet paper. <laughs> okay, he also said some other very flattering things and kind things about the podcast, but you guys don't need to hear that. What we do need to hear is the sound of a spinning wheel set in motion ah. by the laws of, of what, the laws of physics, is it? Uh, sure. Uh, but I'm invoking the single winner rule that I'm making up on the spot. If you get if we get one winner for a category, I say they okay. win. Okay. Spin it anyway because I like to have the sound effect. Uh, you know, the wheel's still broken, but okay, I'll give it a try. I still, I still need to do some maintenance on it after the, the torque I, event. I dare say I know which name it's going to land on. And it looks like it's going to land on Dan Newcomb. Yep. <laughs> Brad is so mysterious in his wisdom. <laughs> Keep my thumb on yeah. the scale here. Hey, so Dan, send us your postal address and we will get you the postal-friendly bottle opener. In the meantime, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. If you know it. Brad, what should they do? Email us at podcast at sit80s.com and tune in in two or three episodes to find out if you are a wiener. Hey, that's all we have for this week. I'd like to thank John Parr again for joining me for the Facebook chat and the 80s crews for helping me host it. Uh, that is an evening I will not soon forget. I have the tear stains to prove it. Uh, stay tuned because I'm sure it's not the last Facebook chat we'll be doing with our heroes this year. But in the meantime, stick around because Brad and I are right here hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Media Network. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or the CLNS Media mobile app.